Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, as we uh, pick up John's letter at this point, 1 John 4, verses 1 through 6, this evening. So 1 John uh, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Hear God's word. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh <clears throat> is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. As we know, John has been trying to alert us and give us guidelines to understand uh, what is true Christianity and what is true Christian doctrine. And this section tonight is very important and very helpful for us along that line. Uh, as he, he, he exhorts us to testing the spirits. Uh, the goal of John, the goal of the scriptures, is for us to have uh, the, the pure religion and undefiled in our living, in our faith, in our belief, uh, and um, how we serve and honor the Lord. And the, this, this section of John's letter has three parts to it. Uh, it has first the command to test those who claim to be inspired, to claim to be prophets. The second part of it is how do you test them? The standard by which you test the spirits. And the third part in verses four to six is sort of a, a digest of different categories of uh, people before the word of God. Uh, in relation to the world and the church. And so we're, we'll, we'll be able to think about ourselves, about the people uh, around us, about the source of authority. And uh, in that last little section from verses 4 to 6. <clears throat> so the, we begin with this section. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now what is he meaning by when he says spirit here? Well, he's not making reference to any kind of disembodied being like an angel or something along that line because the comparison is clearly here between the spirit, uh, these spirits, uh, and the false prophets, many false prophets who have gone out into the world. So what he's talking about here is those who get up and preach and claim to have the truth and there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. And so he's warning you. He says, 
don't believe all of these spirits, but you need to test them to see whether they are from God or not. <clears throat> and um, one of the problems John has been dealing with is the very prevalent false doctrines in his age, particularly focused in Gnosticism and various heretical views about the character and person of Christ, about what it means to be a Christian. They've had these inflated experiences, and they're saying, well, you need to have my experience if you want to be a true Christian. They have their higher sense of knowledge, uh, which is where Gnostic comes from, the Greek word for knowledge. And you need to have my special knowledge. And John's been trying to hammer at us, saying that don't be taken in. You don't need a special experience. You don't need a special knowledge. You just need a clear understanding of the Word of God. So the, the, the question is, these spirits, these false prophets that have gone out into the world, these people who proclaim and they say they have a special inspiration, are they of God or are they not? And your calling as a Christian is to test them and see if they're of God or not. Now, James Boyce, in his commentary on this section, uh, connects these false prophets, particularly he compares them quite a lot with the Old Testament prophets. Those who were speaking, we, of course we know some of the, the faithful prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, these prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And uh, one of the issues in the prophets of the Old Testament is they would sometimes prophesy events yet to come. Uh, like the prophet Daniel and others. And in the, in the Old Testament, one of the tests for a prophet was whether what they prophesied would come true. Uh, so in Deuteronomy 18, it says, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. So one of the tests of an Old Testament prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord, who predicted a certain particular event or happening, was to see whether it came true or not. If it didn't come true, then they were a false prophet. And um, there was a discouragement to false prophets because they were to be put to death. So... It didn't discourage them all, but it should have been a discouragement to willy-nilly just be a false prophet. But uh, something really important, too, in the Old Testament was, what if the false prophet said something that came true? You know, maybe it was so general, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, whatever, and, and it was so vague that, like reading the horoscopes in today's paper, you know, you read your horoscope and that could happen, the same thing would happen to all of us. I mean, it's, it's just so vague in general, there's nothing significant about that. But what happens if what a false prophet says comes true? There's another element uh, that you test them by. This is in Deuteronomy 13. And why don't you turn there to this one. De turn to Deuteronomy 13, uh, verses 1 through 3.
In Deuteronomy 13, it says, verse 1, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. In the Old Testament, uh, this test, here a prophet proclaims something, it does happen to come to pass, but he's telling you, let us go after other gods, gods we have not known. You are not to listen to that person. He might claim to be speaking in the name of the Lord, but he's not. Uh, he, he would be a, considered a false prophet, and you would, should not follow him. In the book of Isaiah, he tells us when the people of God were going astray, looking to other false prophets for their information, the word of God through Isaiah is to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, there is no light in them. <clears throat> and so we test everything according to the word of God. And this is coming back to John. This is John's exhortation. You need to test these spirits to see whether they're of God. It's, there's a demand here for Christian discernment. And there's two extremes where trying to avoid in our exercise of discernment. The one is, on the one hand, superstition. That is, we just kind of believe everything. And there are those Christians who can fall into that. And on the other hand, we don't want to be suspicious of everything. Uh, if someone speaks, we maybe consider it carefully, even if we come to the conclusion that they're wrong. And so... The second part of it, so the first part of John's uh, chapter here, verse 1, is we need to exercise Christian discernment. Well, the question that comes and follows up from that, and the answer is in verses 2 and 3, well, how do you test the spirits? What is the test? How do you determine whether what they're saying is right or what they're saying is wrong? How are they to be tested? And can you, as a normal Christian, as just a regular person, you're not a theologian, um, you're just a regular Christian, you love the Lord, you're following Him, uh, you're seeking to honor Him, can you uh, properly discern uh, a, a false prophet, a false teacher? Can you apply the proper test? And John's answer is, absolutely you can this is not beyond you, because this is the test. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's the positive. Do they acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? And then he gives the alternative, the denial and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus, uh, confess Jesus is not from God. Do they 
acknowledge Christ, particularly his, the incarnation, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Or do they deny that? This was one of the issues in the Gnostics' heresies as they denied the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. They denied that Christ was the incarnate, that Jesus was the incarnate Son of God. That Christ was the incarnate Son of God. They denied that. And they, um, in denying that, they were not of God. And this is a, uh, this may sound a little cute to say it this way, but I'm going to say it this way closely because it, it brings up a, a good contrast of the problem in that day and in, even in the problem in our own day. <clears throat> so it's not that Christ came into the flesh of Jesus, but it's that Jesus was the Christ come in the flesh. So I want to say it one more time and then explain it. It's not that Christ came into the flesh of Jesus, but it's that Jesus was the Christ come in the flesh. Now, is that double talk? No, it's not. It's really a very significant distinction. One of the heresies of that day was that the divine spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism and stayed on him for the three years and then when he when he was crucified, it left. Uh, so that it wasn't God the Son come incarnate, but it was this man, Jesus, who for a time had the divine and spirit enabling him, but then that divine spirit left. So when he died, he was just a man. And when he was born, he was just a man. But he wasn't the God-man. That's heresy. The truth is that the divine Son of God became man so that he might, as we ask the children, why did the Son of God become man? And they answer, so that he might obey and suffer in our nature. And he remains the God-man for all eternity. So when we think of where the divine God-man, the, the God-man is, the one who is both God and man in one person, the two natures in one person, where is he? He's in the very presence of God. He's there in the presence of God. <clears throat> and it's critically important that he be both things. The Heidelberg Catechism asks, asks the question, why must he, after saying he's God, why must he be also, or why was he true man? Why must he also be true God? And the answer is, so that by the power of his Godhead, he might in his manhood bear the burden of God's wrath against sin, and so attain for us righteousness and salvation. If he's only man, he can't die for you. He certainly can't die for all of us. And if he's God alone, he can't 
die in our place. But as the God-man, he can be our substitute and in his body bear the burden of God's wrath because the Godhead can bear that. So there is no salvation apart from it. This is biblical, true Christianity. This is the test of the false prophets. Do they confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Or do they deny Christ? F.F. <clears throat> F. Bruce says, No matter how charming, how plausible, how eloquent the prophets in question may be, the test of their witness to Christ and his truth is the test by which they must be judged. John Stott says, No system can be tolerated, however loud its claims or learned its adherence, which denies that Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh. This is the test by which all these false prophets have to be judged against. And all the heresies have to be judged against. Do they, do they confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that he was God incarnate? Or do they deny that? That's the test to whether they're a true prophet or not. <clears throat> and then in the last part of this, the section from verses 4 to 6 he begins to evaluate uh, three categories of people uh, that help us to appreciate where we are, uh, where the enemies of the gospel are, and how we can distinguish each of these things. And what's helpful to appreciate is each of these verses, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 6, all begin with an emphatic pronoun. And you might not, you're not interested in grammar. You don't want to pay attention to grammar. Say, I've had enough school. I don't want to, I don't want to forget grammar. No, you got to pay attention to grammar tonight. At least the pronouns. And, you know, they're important because they teach us something really significant in each of these verses. The first verse in, in chapter, in verse four, uh, begins with the pronoun, pronoun you. This is John speaking to you his little children. He says, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them, that's the false prophets, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So there's three things he, he says to you or, or a couple of things he says to you, but he begins by referring to you as little children. This is John's wonderful, affectionate address for these Christians, probably those that he's pastored for many years. And um, even if they're adults, they can bear with him calling them little children because he's not belittling them. He's speaking to them affectionately. My children. Um, he says, you are from God. If you believe the truth, if you live the truth, the tests of Christianity, authentic Christianity that we've been looking at, the moral test, the social test, the doctrinal test. If these things are true, you are from God. If you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, you are from God. 
<clears throat> and you have overcome them. The them would be the false prophets, the the voices of error that are out there in our world. You have overcome them. What is it that enables you to overcome them? Because greater is he who is in you than is in the world. Uh, the world characterizes the, in this section, the voice of the, um, of the, the heretics, the voice of the deniers of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and they're in the world, and you've overcome them. That is, overcome their falsehoods. You've over, overcome the temptations to turn away from the Lord. Why? Because the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ living in you, the one who is in you, the work of the Spirit in your heart is greater than the one who is in the world. And it's God that enables us to hold fast to the truth and to resist the message of the evil one. And that's to be a great encouragement. <clears throat> how, how is it that I can stand true for the Lord? Well, it's because God's at work in you to will and to do of his good purpose. It's God in you that helps you to hear his voice. Uh, Jesus Christ in John chapter 10 talks about, I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice <clears throat> and my sheep follow me. Another shepherd, that would be the false shepherds, they will not hear. But they'll hear him. When Jesus is your shepherd, you see, you only have one voice that you're listening for. That's his. And you hear his voice. And when you hear the voice of a false prophet, you, uh, you, 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 Kind of almost instinctively, but it's instinctively because it's the spirit in you, you, you realize that doesn't sound quite right. It's because you listen to the true shepherd. You test everything that everybody says according to the word of God. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The second distinction John makes here in verse 5, it begins with the, <clears throat> with the pronoun they. They are from the world. They here being the false prophets. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Uh, here, he's referring to the false prophets, the false teachers. They're speaking of the world, and the people who are not Christians, who are of the world, who part of the world system and the world, uh, the, the values of the world and the priorities and the false truths of the world, they, the people of this world listen to them, but you don't listen to them because they're of the world and you're from God. And so we have here, you as little children are from God. They, the people of the world are, and the false teachers, they're from the world. And the world will listen to them, but you don't listen to them because you test everything according to the word of God and according to the word of your Savior. 
And then <clears throat> verse 6 begins with the pronoun we. But we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Who is the we? If this were an individual uh, that was saying this, uh, it would be a fairly presumptuous thing to say. But that's not who's speaking. John's speaking, but he's speaking on behalf of the apostolic witness. We, the inspired apostles, giving to you the inspired and errant word of God, we are from God. And whoever listens to us, uh, whoever knows God listens to us. John is not speaking of himself personally. He's speaking of himself as a member of the apostolic brotherhood. Peter, James, and John, Matthew, Bartholomew, the different apostles, the apostolic witness, Paul. They are from God and they speak from God. They're Words are the inspired words of God. And whoever is from God will listen to them. They will hear in them the voice of God, the voice of the Savior, the voice of Almighty God speaking. So it's not a presumption, presumptuousness in John. <clears throat> Here what he's saying to us is the key authority which is behind the key test of these false prophets, is apostolic doctrine. That's our authority, the word of God, the word of the apostles. Uh, that's, that is the test. That's the word which we must believe. And everyone who is of the Lord listens to the apostolic testimony. But whoever's of the world doesn't listen to that. And there's only two ways to go. There's either truth or error. There's either the way of Christ or the way of the Antichrist. And the challenge and the call to you and to me is that we follow the way of truth, the apostolic witness, that we accept that, we believe that, and we listen to that. And the apostolic witness is the word of God. And everything that we think, everything that we hear, we test according to the Word of God. Uh, you will have some of your friends, maybe, at different times, will say, well, you have to listen to the voice within. I don't want to be too terribly critical of them, because they may be, as a, if, they're, if they're a preacher, I'll take them very critically. But if they're a regular believer, they may just be misguided, misunderstanding. So I don't want to be too condemning of them. But what you can do in response to them is, well, how do you know that the voice within is telling you the truth? What if it's telling you something that is wrong? How do you know? Well, you know by testing it according to the Word of God. 
everything is tested according to that standard of truth because that's the standard that is from God. And everyone who listens to that is of God and everyone who does not listen to that is not of God. And that's how we know what the spirit of truth is and the spirit of error. Does it comport with the testimony of the apostolic doctrine, the apostolic witness? You and I are called to serve Christ, and there are going to be many temptations. There are going to be many voices that will try to gain our allegiance. And we have to bring them all to the foot of, of God's truth and test them according to that. And that's how we'll know what to believe and what to reject. So may you and I be faithful in listening uh, to that word of God and God's truth and test the spirits, whether they are of God or not, or of this world. Let us follow the, follow the Lord faithfully and adhere closely to his, his truth and hear the voice of our, say, our shepherd, our good shepherd in that truth. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for so much for the witness of your word, the testimony of your word that <clears throat> guides us into the path of truth and what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is error. Thank you for our good shepherd who speaks uh, through the witness of this word and so guides us in that path of truth. May you, O oh Father, help us. I pray for each one that's here tonight that you will be at with them and be at work in their hearts and help them to embrace with all of their heart uh, the word of, of our Savior and Shepherd so that we might follow you in faith. And we ask, O oh Lord, for you to be glorified in this way in Jesus' name.